This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back-to-back wins, eh? Remember them? We'll be going over City's 3-0 triumph over Wolves and reviewing the state of play in the title race. It's Monday the 23rd of January. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm John Ashley. And this is the City Report podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United one, Manchester City six. It's two for Jekyll. Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four. Now, Adam, I'm really, really quite pleased you didn't um, lose your rag then because, John, you'd, you'd never experienced this having only recently transferred over from the um, the Main Road Ramble. But um, when we have people on, when it's a freeway show, Adam usually spends a good two minutes beforehand outlining that he is the person who has to come second in saying their names. And he gets very... I remember Charlie Gordon once of this parish was on the show and he he went second. He jumped in and went second and Adam lost his rag completely. So um, you, you survived one there, John. I waited. I was patient. Yeah. Like a good Brit. Like, like, like a good Englishman you are. In line. In, you know what it is? I feel emasculated because... As as the original founder of this podcast, to relinquish the hosting duties, which I'm now glad I have, to relinquish the hosting duties to Amos mm. and feel as if I'm just a mere peasant on my own podcast, I've I had to force myself into the priority order of introductions. All co all co founders are equal. Some are just more equal than others. Um, gents, Monday morning feeling. How are we doing? Um, should we get into it? Obviously, we've got a little bit of title race chat to get into in part two, but we'll we'll keep the good times flowing. Last time we were on this show, Adam City had just come from behind against Tottenham Hotspur. 
monumental victory. We're sort of saying, right, this has to be it now. This has to be City's moment in the season. I'm thinking like maybe Sunderland at home 2012. Remember a comeback from then? You know, there's been a, a few times in the season you've gone, right, okay, this is going to be the one for City. And I think it's safe to say on balance, the Wolves game, that was that was certainly what we wanted to see, if not sort of at, at least as close to so far in the last few weeks as we've come to a complete performance. Wolves were bad. Let's sort of say it straight away. But City, for once in the last few weeks, were, were pretty good. Yeah, I mean, all we wanted was was an emphatic victory to kind of keep the momentum rolling. And, um, you know, I, I said after the Spurs game that not only was the three points you know, vital, but it was the manner in which we collected them. And and I feel the same way about this Wolves game to, to be able to not only take the lead, but, but build on it, I think is the biggest thing that we haven't seen this city team build on leads recently. They, mm. they take leads and, and they look comfortable with it. And, and we've been bitten by that at some times, you know, in the United game, obviously that that's a bit of a fluke, but we take the lead and we seem kind of comfortable with a one nil lead and, and we lose the game. So I, I think the most important thing was, we saw a very vintage city trait and that was continuing to step on the gas pedal with the lead already intact. Mm. And and I think that's a very encouraging sign. Yeah, John, it it was for me anyway, it was a, it was a good first half, but it was a a kind of weird first half in the sense that I'm pretty sure insane wolves had an XG of zero at halftime, having barely manufactured a pass in city's half, let alone a shot. And it looked as if we were going to get to halftime nil-nil and the the same sort of the groans, the frustrations, not necessarily the boos that we heard against Spurs, but, you know, the sort of, oh God, here we go, City nil-nil against Wolves. Are Wolves going to be able to get one of them counter-attacks in the second half? But obviously, one of the players who's been massively criticised, massively out of form, Kevin De Bruyne, pops up, trademark clip now. So, you know, forget forget the, the back post sort of pass from the byline. That De Bruyne clip into Haaland's head's becoming probably City's trademark goal of the season. And, um... From that point on, going into the second half, it was it was pretty rosy, wasn't it? And and do you sort of to to round this a little bit off? Do you think it was City's most complete performance of the year so far? Oh, sorry, post World Cup break so far. I think it's a kind of a toss up between this game and the Leeds game. I would say I think okay. at Ellen Road, City were pretty comprehensive. We were creating a lot of chances, mm. potentially more chances, and we just weren't finishing them off. I remember Melier making a lot of saves that day, but. I think today it was one of those opponents that City kind of needed where they're going to put 11 men behind the ball and we have to find a way to pick our way through. Mm. Very similar to the way Spurs started the second half on Thursday night. You know, we're just not going to concede and actually City taking that challenge and saying, all right, we'll, we'll find a way. And and that that looked like it was going to be the most likely, maybe not combination, but Rico Lewis was finding a lot of space to put crosses in where mm. De Bruyne eventually crossed it from. And yeah, from then on out, I thought City were really, really good. The, yeah, they, they certainly were. And obviously, um, a bit of fortune in some of the goals. Uh, Jose Sarr is a, a, an esteemed and has been for a number of years goalkeeper and has done well since coming into Wolves but DME doesn't half have some mad moments um actually Adam on on Wolves defense Nathan Collins what 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 happened like honestly I, I don't think speaking of complete performance I've not seen a defender do that and I think if it, if it wasn't for Nathan Collins primarily City could have been three or four up at the break and 
poor Jack Grealish. I have no idea what that fella needs to do to get a goal at the Etihad Stadium because it must have been, was it Chelsea in the League Cup? He had a few cleared off the line. Nathan Collins back there, you know, to be fair, he cleared a lot of, off everyone's line, not just Grealish. But um, Wolves, bar Nathan Collins, abject. Nonetheless, Jack Grealish, for me, in a City shirt, maybe man of the match. I don't know if that's my little internal Grealish, Brummy bias sort of creeping in a little bit. You know, it's funny with Nathan Collins. I think we're probably going to see a lot of um, man of the match performances from from center backs at the Etihad when when mm. Erling Holland is in town because I think he's the kind of guy that you you raise your game for and you want to take on the challenge and and a mm. professional defender is going to see him as as a specific kind of challenge, a challenge they're not going to get from any other any other striker in Europe probably. Um, and he raised this game, but but on Jack Grealish, yeah, it's. It's frustrating. It's like we're we're all desperate for it to come off, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I think that these days, what we're starting to see from Grealish, at least the common man is starting to recognize, is the other things that he brings. You know, you look mm. at the Spurs game and the tackle on Sun tracking back, and he's mm. great in the press. He, he wins the ball back and and can reset things. And I think he you kind of get you know little little giggles from people when you tell them that, oh, Jack Grealish is really good at recycling the ball and resetting mm. the possession. But it's a vital thing, especially mm. in the way that Pep Guardiola plays. Resetting things and recycling the ball and regaining control and setting the tempo is, you know, those are all Pep Guardiola buzzwords 101. <laughs> um, so he's such an important player in the way that this team wants to play in the way that Pep Guardiola wants to play. And Obviously, it'd be great to see it come off in front of goal a few more times, and he had a few chances. And um, you know, sometimes maybe he doesn't make the right decision, and sometimes he does, and it's cleared off the line, or there's a you know a mm. last second deflection. But as usual, I don't really have a lot of qualms with him at the moment because I think he's kind of doing everything that he can, and and he's so important in other aspects that I, I don't really have a bad word to say about him. I mean. This this podcast rarely has. Um, in fact, I can't remember a time we've actually criticised him. Perhaps maybe we've been a little too lenient at the times where it wasn't necessarily 100% coming off, but it, it's it's rewarding in a sense to, to see these performances and see the people who who beforehand, you know, there's, all, there's, there's always going to be sticklers. There's always going to be people who've made their mind upon him now because he isn't a swashbuckling Leroy Sane from 2019 who's skipping past and galloping past defenders. You know, even though he can do that, it's not it's not exactly his game as we've alluded to before, but I think there's some people who have made their minds up, that's fair enough, that's on them. But it's nice seeing those people who were a bit like, yeah, I want it to work out, but I'm not too sure what he definitely offers. Performances like that, performances in recent weeks, I think he's been absolutely exceptional, complimented, John, by the fella on the other side. And we mentioned it, Adam and I, and and Louis, on the Friday show, the Spurs review. Um, Jack Grealish, Riyad Mahrez, I think, so I think back to October, November time, it was everybody's least favourite wing partnership. But now you wouldn't imagine City going into a game with consequence. And, you know, throughout the week, we'll start looking at the, the Arsenal fixture in the FA Cup on Friday. Maybe there's rotation there. You probably assume there is. But, you know, the big Premier League matches at the weekend, Spurs away, which is coming up after this in the in the Cup. You can't imagine City going into a game like that without those two on the wing. And it's, it's crazy to think that's the case now. Yeah, I mean... At the start of the season, it looked like Mares was kind of going into his last season with City, the way mm. things were kind of shaping up. Um, you know, Pep kind of seemed to have 
the attitude that he's exhibiting a little bit, it seems, with Phil Foden right now mm. in terms of his application and his uh, general attitude and training. But, you know, Mares, he kind of seems to do this. He kind of cruises a little bit through the first part of the season and then, like, January comes and kind of activates Mares mode and mm. starts scoring crucial goals in big games and putting in... 10 out of 10 performances like I mean very very evident against Spurs but I think more quietly evident today just in terms of the the way that he occupies his his defender but also draws out the other the left hand center half as well Mm. because that that ball that Rodri likes to chip over to him um in that inside right position is so dangerous that he's He's probably the, you know, it's difficult to choose between him and Grealish as to who is City's first choice winger right mm. now, I would say. Which, yeah, you couldn't imagine saying that three months ago. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it, it's absolutely mental, but um, we're here for it. We're absolutely here for it. Um, Adam, let's start to wrap up then. It, it we, There's nothing really we can say more about this fella, it, it, but at the same time, it'd be remiss of us to not mention him. Erling Haaland took his tally in the Premier League this season to an astonishing 25 goals. Um, is that is that over 30 now in, in all competitions? Is that, uh, I think it I think is. Yeah, I think it's exactly 30, 30 is it? isn't it? Okay, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. five 31. in the Champions League. Yeah, five in the Champions League, one in the League Cup, 25 in the Premier League. That, Jesus Christ, it's not even February. Um, I think... If we're about to apply some analysis to it, maybe we'll bring the tone down a little bit. But I remember what game was it? The the Southampton League Cup game, where I said this season without Haaland's goals, City would be having. You know, it's not as easy saying City would have lost this game, blah blah blah. But because other players would have been in this position, other players would have scored. But basically, Haaland's goals were masquerading what had so far been a, a pretty poor campaign. Do you think that's the case again today? Obviously, he got three goals, or is it more a case of going? Haaland's in the team. Haaland's there to score the goal. City no longer have to have six players in the front three rotating, scoring between 10 and 15 goals. They don't need to rely on that anymore. If Haaland's fit, Haaland will score and you've got to find a way to make him score. Or are we sort of potentially looking at the game as a whole where City were dominant but didn't take any more chances going? Yeah, they're they're solely reliant on at the moment this fella scoring the goals. No, I think the way you have to look at this and, and it kind of um, relinquishes all and any blame on Holland is when City are not playing well, um, I don't think you can blame Holland because he's not that involved in games. But when mm. City are playing well, they create a lot of chances. And who's going to benefit from creating a lot of yeah. chances? It's Erling Holland. And, um, you know, I, I think the best thing that you can do is is get him into dangerous areas and just put the ball there. And, and he just finds a way to get on the ball, no matter how he has to contort his body, specific <laughs> body parts, head, leg, ankle, shin, whatever it needs to be, he finds a way to get there. And yeah, it, I don't I don't look at some of the performances of the past and say, Erling Holland is affecting this. You know, maybe you do have to give up a little bit of control when he's in the team. Mm. But we saw him drop deep in this game pick up the ball, link up with with Gundogan or De Bruyne and and transitions were created. He obviously has the ability to do it whether or not, you know, Pep is instructing him to do that on a more consistent basis, we don't know. Um but again, we're still not seeing the kind of full 
ability of him because there was multiple occasions in this game when he would make a sublime run off the back shoulder and and a city player would would just turn around and and put put the ball backwards to to a center half or or a midfielder and um I think we saw actually Pep I can't remember who was down injured. It m- might have been when Gundawan was was smashed down in the corner, and and Pep called Rico Lewis over. And I think the instruction he was giving him was, when Erling makes that run, hit the ball into space. And we saw that a lot more in the second half. We saw a lot more transitional balls just into space that either Kevin De Bruyne or Erling Holland could run onto. So we're still not even really seeing the the full arsenal of options that we have to get him the ball. We're just seeing. The one option, which is just get the ball into the box where he is, but that's not the only thing that he can do. So if we're talking about a fourth hat trick of the season and we're just kind of seeing the the tip of the iceberg with him, I, real quick before I, I hand this over to John, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw this stat after the game. They showed it on the U.S. broadcast and it was um, Premier League players fastest or how how many games it took them to get to four hat tricks? It no, was nine. It was nineteen for Holland. The next closest was Ruud van Nistelrooy with sixty five. <laughs> that's that's not okay. That like that person <laughs> shouldn't exist. It's a bit unfair, that isn't it? Yeah, I I think in terms of you know is is Holland the reason why one city are where they are in terms of continuing to to challenge at least you know nominally in the in the title race at this point uh, and is Haaland the reason that city play badly when they do mm. i think one of the the things that maybe city have realized in the last couple of games and i think the spurs performance particularly is that um they were maybe like a little fortunate not fortunate but maybe too easily convinced that by the United game, for example, when it was really kind of high transition football mm-hmm. and Haaland was getting in behind, scoring, you know, Foden was getting in behind as well and scoring a lot of goals like that that aren't really kind of City post-2020 goals. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, using, we, we, we seem to be using a bit more of the false nine tactics in the build-up against Spurs especially. And I think we carried a bit into, into this game as well. Haaland, yes, was dropping deep. But I think we weren't trying to just swing crosses in the entire time. We were like trying to play little one twos in and around the mm. box, which was creating space, which we haven't been doing nearly as much, I think, in in recent weeks. No, it, it's a really important point, and actually, I noticed that in the stadium at the time. I think there was a couple of times De Bruyne picked up the ball in that right hand channel, and obviously, we we shouted out your your message on the on the Friday show, John, where you said, you know, if Harlan, uh, sorry, if De Bruyne was playing against Spurs, it'd be a case of, you know, probably just trying to spam crosses in the box and City probably didn't win the game. And you could tell there was a conscious effort. I felt De Bruyne in that situation to actually put his foot on the ball a second and try and either slip Mares through. And, you know, he does that job so well. Maybe he's the best winger that City have at doing that in that sort of half space inside channel or go inside. Ilkay Gundogan is an astonishingly good footballer at finding those passes. And like I said, I go back to it, if it wasn't for Nathan Collins, perhaps City would have found a few more of those balls into the box and could have had maybe a couple more goals. Who knows? Um, We'll wrap up on part one then by speaking about Phil Foden because he wasn't in the match day squad. The official line coming out of City was that he wasn't fully fit. Um, Adam, now we are of course, esteemed sports journalists and sports professionals and media professionals. So we will we will be careful with our words, but not fully fit 
in the middle of the season, having had no major injury problems in recent weeks, for me, is shorthand for he's not allowed to be in the squad, not isn't able to be in the squad. I don't know what you thought of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's quite obvious that if we can't see something on the surface, it's it's something going on behind the scenes, whether that's in training, whether that's you know outside of training and and his personal life which we're not going to speculate on on mm-hmm. anything like that but um you know he's he's had moments in the past where his behavior outside of outside of football hasn't been great um i'm again not saying like anything like that has happened um but when we're not seeing arguably one of our most important players the last 2 or 3 years in the squad on such a regular basis. And, and let's, you know, we've got to point out that this isn't new, you know, he Mm. wasn't starting, I think up until the world cup, they went like six or seven Premier League games where he hadn't started. I think maybe that Brentford game right before the world cup was his first start in Mm. in a number of of league games. Um, So whether there's something going on in training and, and obviously we've, we've heard Ilkay Gundogan, we've heard Pep Guardiola talk about the mentality of the players. Uh, We've heard, talk of complacency and being comfortable with, with their situation. And, you know, maybe that's, that's affecting Phil Foden and he hasn't broken out of the funk. Like maybe some other players have, again, this is all speculation. We don't really know unless somebody comes out and black and white tells us what's going on. Hmm. It's got to be difficult though, knowing, you know, from Phil Foden's perspective, like breaks into the team a little bit in 2017, 18, more in 2018, 19, he is known pretty much only success as a city player and so you know when there's any mild jeopardy mm. by city standards uh not knowing how to to, to behave and function and, and how to play and work when things aren't going as well in an environment where you know the squad isn't going to be as happy simply because of the results like it kind of makes sense in in the context of his career it's not excusable but it's Maybe, you know, if, if if that is kind of the the reason behind it, again, we're speculating, then I can see why someone who is still pretty young would kind of behave in that way, in that work mm. environment. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with both of you. And just on that, John, to wrap it up, I think it's important to say as well that Phil Foden, local lad, knows the club, has been with the club since sort of, well, bar Reddish Vulcans, who are a local team in Stockport, his entire career, like a, a Reddish Vulcans, a local grassroots team, um, he's been with City his entire career. And obviously there's been a slump in performances, there's been a slump in attitudes, there's been issues that have some been documented, some haven't. He's going to be one, He's going to want to be the guy that changes that. He's going to be the person who wants to be scoring the goals and getting City out of the rut when he's not being selected in the team, which, let's face it, isn't something new for Guardiola. It isn't like Guardiola is this uh, manager who week in, week out, picks the same 11. So we're going to get on to Arsenal very shortly, but it's not like City have been this season or in any other seasons really been that sort of team where it's unchanged, 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 unchanged. There is going to be rotation. Players are going to come in and out. I mean, Jack Grealish has had man of the match performances before and sat the next two weeks on the bench. So that's just how it is. Finding the happy medium. We know Pep Guardiola should be here for another couple of years at least. Hopefully those two, as you know, as Guardiola's mentioned before, he's one of his favourite players to ever worked with. Hopefully you can find something that works. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, Adam, something to, to say before we move on to part two? Yeah, I wonder if there is a little bit of of something inside of Phil Foden that feels like 
he should have more responsibility in this team. And one of those things would be being a midfielder. You know, I, I think there is something in, there was all this talk of when he was coming out of the academy, you know, him being, you know, a David Silva replacement. And obviously we know now he's in the way he plays is nothing like David Silva. Mm. But the feeling and even the message from Guardiola was kind of always that he was out on the wing while he got ready to be a midfielder and be the next, you know, focal point of this team. And we're going on three or four years now where he's been in the first team and he's still there. Mm. I, I don't know what you guys think, if there's anything in that, if... You know, I feel like the message has always been when he's ready, we're going to give him this kind of big role of responsibility in the center of the park. And it's still not happened. I I don't know if I'm, you know, crazy in thinking this. Is there anything in the fact that we always felt like he was forced to play somewhere else while he was molded to be in a different position and he's just still not there? And I wonder if, if that plays a role in any of this. Can I can I shock you? Can I shock you? Because I know this is something that's debated quite a little bit, and we will move on. But I don't actually think Phil Foden's very well suited to play in midfield in a Guardiola team. I think he's too. I think he's too frantic, and that's to his benefit. We saw him tear United to shreds in those sort of high intensity games, where he's he's probably the best player in the world, bar Kylian Mbappe, for that sort of environment, where it's like a basketball game. And City can play like that with Haaland now, uh, whereas in previous years he probably couldn't. I don't think he's got the the composure. I don't think he's got, and, and this frustrates some City fans. I saw, I heard someone on BBC Radio Manchester. I think it was before the Tottenham game, complaining about tippy tappy football and how City need to speed it up. You know all that nonsense. But at the same time, I do think he is not, he isn't nearly as composed as other players. And when you do need that sort of like a low block defence, is he going to be the one who's going to be able to have the patience to play four or five passes either side before going forward? I don't know. We don't see training, do we? We don't see training. So, but, um, but maybe he thinks that he is. Possibly, and that's and that, the issue. Yeah. And that's yeah, the possibly. issue. Possibly, possibly. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. You know, both of them have signed new deals. It feels a bit like I don't know a little broken family, father son relationship at the moment. Hopefully, they can patch things up. Um, we'll try and patch things up in part two of this podcast when we have a look at the current state of the title race. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Uh, last segment on your Monday show, John. Um, it was all going so well, wasn't it, on Sunday afternoon when City breezed past Wolverhampton Wanderers. The the good feeling, looking at the table, two points. 92 minutes, was it, uh, at the Emirates Stadium? 2-2 in the Arsenal-United game. Fantastic. Three-point gap. Arsenal have a game in hand. City have to play them twice, win both of them. City go top. And then Eddie Enketia pops up. Last-minute winner. And the first thing that hit me was this tsunami of... I've seen this before. And it was a different team in red. Sort of maybe what two hundred so miles up north uh, in the northwest in Liverpool. It felt like the sort of stuff we've become accustomed to seeing Liverpool do, except Arsenal have what is now a quite substantial lead and could get even bigger if they win the game in hand. Yeah, the difference for me is that I, I think I don't. Um, well, I, I, whether it's because City are not as hot on the tails or, or close to these particular opponents, Arsenal versus versus how neck and neck we were with Liverpool. Mm. Or if it's that I and I, I, I do think I do believe this that Arsenal have been more deserving 
of the victories that they've had for the most mm. part this season. You know, you, you mentioned you, there was there were so many late victories that Liverpool had in in those in those very tight seasons where it was like they played terribly but just managed to pull it out of the bag. Arsenal have looked incredibly convincing, and it mm. is difficult to, to begrudge them. Um, and honestly, you know, when I saw that Nketiah had won it. I definitely did not feel the sense of like, oh no. You well, know, was, was that because it was United? Probably, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But I, 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 there is another level to that as well. Whereas, like, I think City are going to City have more of a chance, bizarrely, in a, in a two horse race with Arsenal than if it was a three horse race with Arsenal and United. I think that the, the, the permutations there could potentially be, mm-hmm. you know a lot more unknown for City because we haven't been involved in that kind of mm. race for for a long time. Well, yeah, you, you're spot on and we'll have to wait and see what happens with the gap. But there's a chance, Adam, that in this, we'll, call, we'll still call it a title race. It's absolutely still a title race. But, but there's a chance that City go into the final few legs of this season within touching distance, but behind Arsenal and... For the best part of me since, what, 2013, 14, when the gap wasn't nearly like this. You know, City had to win a couple of games on the, in the final run-in. Obviously, under under uh, Mancini in the in the 2012 season, there was a big gap around Easter time, eight points, City got that back. But under Guardiola, this is very much uh, unknown waters, isn't it? The only time City have had Guardiola and it's been like this, the team in top has, has sort of extended the lead and they've gone on to win it at a canter. Do you see Arsenal doing that? Do you think City have the juices, the squad depth, the mentality to be able to, not obviously because the other part of this, the, the elephant in the room is the Champions League. And when that comes back and when team selection starts to be affected, for me personally, if if Arsenal are going to win the league, great. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to lose sleep over it. It's been a great run. I'm sure City will come back strong next year with a few additions and Arsenal will, will be able to attract a new player. We could be about to see the next era. Who knows? Newcastle are obviously in the mix as well. But if Arsenal are going to win it, I would rather City drop off before the Champions League knockout games come around so we're not having this sort of okay, so it's going to be, I don't know, Fulham away at the weekend, but then there's going to be a quarterfinal against Bayern Munich in midweek. Do we go full strength against Fulham? And then I I would rather City have the chance for once to fully put everything into the Champions League basket if Arsenal are going to win the league. I don't know if that's just me sort of overthinking it and, and writing City off when that's obviously the worst thing possible to do. Essentially, does City have the, the 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 ability to keep up with this Arsenal team? It sounds crazy because they've never won anything, but they're looking, they're looking the real deal. See, I don't think this is new ground at all. I mean, I, I, it's only 2017-18 that we ran away with a title, that we essentially started in the lead and never looked back. You know, 2018-19 yeah. Liverpool at one point were, and look, it's only, well, I mean, they were eight points clear at one point, were they not? Yeah, yeah. Same same with the COVID season. I mean, that was that was probably the worst football we'd played under Guardiola until very very recently was the the empty empty stadium season. It's, it's irrelevant. Some people say that's better than the 2018-19 title win I was seeing the other day, which is lunacy. It's absolute hearsay. Yeah, that's yeah. No, that's lunacy. But I think that that Guardiola and and City are at their most comfortable when they are breathing down the neck of of another team. To be honest, so when I look at at the table right now, and I think we've we've still got um, we've still got two games against this Arsenal team, 
I don't look at this this table with any sort of discomfort. Um, I did want to pose one question to John because he loves the dad jokes. Would you call this Arsenal team the Convincibles? Oh my god! Cut the recording. <laughs> Um, if 2004 was the Invincibles, but this team is is winning games uh, in a convincing fashion, would you call this team the Convincibles? Uh, I'm not often speechless, Adam. But no, I mean, no, even, no, even no, for no. me, that would be. I oh think. my god! I'm, uh, for the benefit of the tape, Adam sat there in his little cat and he's giggling away, and it's just it's enough to make any man feel sick and I think that's probably the best place to call it a day um, John Ashley any plans for this week have we got you back on again this week I'm not sure we do so uh, Arsenal yeah I'm not sure I'm on the schedule but um, the uh, I'm going to be looking at that that contract too. there's a 14 day get out clause after what just happened but in the, me- in the meantime yeah I'll get myself on the schedule um, but uh, yeah are you talking about the, the Arsenal Cup game Amos, you kind of uh, froze for a minute there. Yeah. Wait, wait, let me turn the camera off. Um, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can now. Did you did you finish your thingy? Yeah. Sweet. Um, Adam, um, we'll be hearing plenty of you throughout the week. So until then, thank you very much. Thank you. And sorry. And, and sorry? What for? <laughs> my joke. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd already banished it from my mind already, so don't worry about that. Um, we'll be having words. Um, if you are new around here, please make sure to follow, subscribe, etc. Share the podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. Have a fantastic Monday, and we'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.